River Kingdoms, a constantly shifting group of city-states, kingdoms and fiefdoms, rising and falling through the machinations of would-be conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Brevois sits the Stolen Lands. Stolen from what and when are a matter of some debate. Currently overrun by bandits and monsters. Brevois seeks to aid in the establishment of new kingdoms, buffer states, run by anyone strong enough and clever enough to carve a kingdom out of the savage wilderness. Caelan Thorne, the mercenary who would be king, believes he is that man. Herein lies his tale of wilderness exploration, monsters, politics, romantic entanglements, ancient gods, and war. Heavy indeed is the head that wears the crown. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. A word to our listeners. This game is often interrupted. Whenever this happens, you'll hear our editor's tone. To let you know when a segment of recording has been removed until we resume gaming. Episode 94. Voice of the editor here. This episode is a short one. As we've done before, between books, several kingdom turns passed in which Helen just ran the kingdom turns herself and did all the math and things off screen. This is just a recap of what's happened. If you're not heavily interested in the kingdom turns themselves, feel free to just skip right on to the next episode. So, um, I figured I'd summarise the um, last few kingdom turns. Go nuts. Okay, so, um, in cholesterol for, uh, 4721, uh, we have, um, made stability check, cleared the plus three thundering nunchuck and replaced it with a scroll of greater magic fan. Yep. Um, I claimed A7 in the green belt, and um, I have um, built, um, sorry, just noting something down, uh, and claimed F3, G3, and E4 in the Hooktan Slough, building some fisheries and some farms, mm-hmm. so I've sort of... Um, Claimed a um, some of the more northerly Hooktown Slough area with nothing in particular in it. I'm mm-hmm. claiming the lake. Mm-hmm. I have built a garrison in Elksrest, so I have space for my new arm for putting a large or huge army in there. Yep. And I have built a herbalist in Merkvale and a house in Merkvale. Cool. So in Forest, I have um, cleared the Scroll of Greater Magic Fang. Picked up a scroll of tongues, um, and um, I have um, claimed F4 and hook tongue slough and built a fishery. Um, at that point, um, I have and I have built a castle in Varnhold, which I have named Castle Varn. Mm-hmm. I've claimed a new hex in Varnhold, because yep. uh, I've net claimed a new um, city sheet in Varnhold and increased my consumption and um, control DC accordingly. Mm-hmm. And because at that point my economy 
was starting, I had removed the old Veldane to stability and um, then built a bunch of stability buildings, um, I failed my economy check. Indeed. So I started to run out of money. Then, rolling into Gosran, I um, made my stability check, cleared my awesome scroll of the cage object, and picked up an amulet of natural armor plus three, which is super exciting. I moved the old Bale Day back to economy mm-hmm. in a, ha- a slightly hasty manner. That's both my economy. You young people can't make up your minds. Yeah, yeah. Um, I claimed a very small amount of the hook tongue slough because, again, Stat problems, so I claimed G4 and put a farm in it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm um, filling in the gap between um, the straight line of the hook tongue slough that I've claimed and the big bl- mass of the green belt. Um, and I built a theatre in Van Held. Cool, cool. So I built a couple of awesome buildings in um, Van Held and made my economy check that time. Then rolling into Desnus, I picked up a Pearl of Power level 3. Um, so that brings me to the first of the things that I want to consult you about. Yep. Um, is the party's interest level in these cool items. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- because I now have um, a Pearl of Power level 3 on the table, and I'm wondering if that's something anybody's interested in. Yes, many of them. Oh, okay. Cool, that's fine. I will... Well, I want the amulet of natural armor, of course. Yeah, but um, they can have my plus two one when I buy the plus three one because mm-hmm. I'm the king, damn it. Mm-hmm. All right, um, so I'll reserve that. Not clear it. Yep. So continuing through Desnus, I um, claimed another three hexes: E five, F five, and G five on the line going now, mm-hmm. um, and built a fishery in G F five. My next question was, um, the sawmill, um, sheet here says you can build one in a jungle or a forest, but I don't have a jungle terrain type. Yep. Well, you don't have any jungle in this region. Right. Yep. So, um, it's, it just basically means forest. It, I'm just checking if you can build one in a swamp. Uh, no, no, you can't build one in the swamp. Cool. Uh, jungle terrain would be, for example, like Mwangi. It's right. definitely not a forest, it's a jungle. Yeah. You're just on the wrong continent. Yeah, But no theoretically, there's nothing stopping you applying these kingdom building rules to some other campaign. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get you. I just wanted to check that wasn't a typo. No, that's fine. So, um, yep, one fishery in the hook tongue slough, and the rest is, um, left pretty much to its own devices. Um, and then, um, I am building a brewery in Fort Drelev mm-hmm. and a Bardic College in Varnhold. So I would like to know what a Bardic College does and how many hexes it takes up. Not, uh, sorry, not Varnhold, Lakeview. I'm building a Bardic College in Lakeview. Okay, so. Quintessa and Tristan are both super excited about this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It takes up two squares, and it is a um, a fabulous centre for artistic learning, um, in which you are now training a wide variety of people, both to actually perform any number of arts, and also a bunch of sort of historical scholars and, um, you know, local scholars on history and legends and all that sort of thing. Uh, so what this does for you, it gives you two minor item slots. Cool. Economy plus one. 
Yep. Loyalty plus three, as your um, kingdom becomes a a haven of culture and all that sort of guff. Cool. And it allows you to build bardic armies. Ooh, shiny. Uh, so bardic armies are like a regular army. Um, they have a slightly lower hit dice, so slightly less hit points than a regular army. Yep. Uh, and they have a special ability called Inspire Courage, where they add plus one to offense and defense to every uh, every other army in the conflict. Neat. So bardic armies are useful if you're having mass army combats. Sweet! That is actually really awesome. And do they need to be a size under my max no, kingdom size? No, they do uh, not. Oh, cool. Because keep in mind what bards actually are, are generalist jack-of-all-trades guys. Yep. Right. And then um, I have a little bit more note-taking to do, which I'll do later. Mm-hmm. And you can feel free to roll on to the thing that happens this turn. Right. Uh, yes. So, if you pass me the keymaker book, that would be helpful. Ah. I'm still in the cupboard. Yes. And this is just a piece of information at this stage. For your building and that sort of thing, so I can give it to you in or out of character as you please. Um, whichever, um, whichever you prefer. Alright, so you get word back through your spies, your diplomats, and a bundle of other people. A bunch of different sources of information all coming together to be correlated into one fact. Uh, Pytax is starting to build up their armies. Right. Uh, very possibly in response to your own military build-up. So from this point going forward, Pytax are actively building armies. That's pretty much as much as you can um, find out about it. Yep. Because you <coughs> you don't spy directly into their inner workings and dealings and that sort of thing. Yeah. Not without actually making more of an effort into it anyway. Yep. Um, but yeah, they're building armies. Understood. Okay, so tell me about your preceding kingdom terms. Okay, so we had Erodius. Um, I started the turn with a nice rosy 40... 49 build points, made my stability check. Um, I um, built a hunting preserve in Norman Heights in an F7 in the area I'd already claimed to give me a bit more food for my kingdom, mm-hmm. and claimed D7 in Varnhold, which was a not particularly interesting grassland hex, and built a farm in it, right near the central lands, but not actually in them. Yeah. Um, I increased Lakeview's size and built another city hex in Lakeview. As um, while there are still a few unclaimed hexes, they're definitely running out of room. As most of my cities are now teetering on that threshold, yep. Lake Varnhold already got increased, so I could fit the castle in. And Fort Greylev has no unoccupied hexes. Yeah, yeah, I believe it started with none. Uh, no, it started with two, and right. I filled them both. Fair there are many things I want to build in it, but I'll have to increase its size. Um, in the new larger lake view, I built a town hall. Yep. So they now, everybody now has some kind of ruling building, except I believe Merkvale, who are still too little. Yep, sure, awesome. Um, and I, no, I built one in Merkvale as well, explicitly. Yep. And I built an exotic craftsman at Lakeview. Um, and that was, and then I failed my economy check. And, um, wound up with very small amounts of money on 27 build points. Yep. Then in Rover, I um, made my stability check, which was really crucial because I needed the extra point of money, um, 
And in my extremely small bunny situation, I built a watchtower in Lakeview. Yep. Continuing, which is now cheap because um, it has, has a town hall. Yep. And um, which is my, continuing my little township's defense values are going up. Um, the other thing I did in Rover was that I refounded the stag runners from a huge army to a gargantuan army and bought them horses. Because they had horses, I bought them more horses. More horses yep. Um, instead of giving them back their masterwork armor and weapons, I put those aside because the army is essentially being refounded from the ground up. I'm not getting the morale bonus penalty from that because the stag runners are a new army. I yep. just happen to be calling them the same name. Yep, yep. Because I don't keep tactics or anything like that. Understood. Um, so I gave them as they're, they're still, I'm stationing them in the Thornwatch military base because um, it's the only place big enough to hold them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still commanded by Sir Frederick March, and um, I still pick the tactic cavalry experts as their tactic that they get because they're because I have the military academy. Yep. Um, and that was Rover. Yep. Then in and then I made my economy check, which was super great. My and I rocketed up to seventy six gold points. Um, which I then spent most of, because that's how I roll. But crucially, not all of it. Um, I claim C5 in Fort Draylev, which is one of the grassland hexes really close to the city, that it's basically next door, and any sensible person would have already built a farm in it. Mm-hmm. So I built a farm in it. Um, to, again, because I'm founding armies, I want more consumption. I want to reduce my consumption. Um, I um, built a noble villa in Varnholt, which I have been meaning to do for a while. Um, I don't know if there's any story attached to that, but, um, um, and then, um, I did a bunch of army stuff. I founded the central, I disbanded my old central army and refounded them as the Hooves of Thunder, an army of central bards, increasing them from large to huge and mm-hmm. making them central bards. Mm-hmm. Central bards. Okay, I'm going to stop saying it now. Um, I then bought everyone a bunch of resources. I had a huge army-sized portion of masterwork weapons lying around, so I gave them to Fort Draylev, who were a bit low on resources. Cool. Because um, I could have given them armor because it's cheaper, but the thing is, these guys are probably going to be fighting in the grounds yeah, of Fort Draylev, yeah. so the, arguably... The defense value was okay already with a plus 30 or whatever they are. But arguably hitting people is what they need. Um, also, I was slightly wincing at the cost of buying the Stag Runners master w- weapons up to full capacity, mm-hmm. even with uh, even with the existing thing. That's a lot of money. Instead, I bought the Stag Runners masterwork armor, using their spare set of get, giving them back their sets of masterwork armor and um, buying them more. Yeah, which I would have done previous turn, but I was out of money. Yep. And I also bought the Hooves of Thunder masterwork armor, so they now have a bunch because they're kind of low hit point, being a bard army. Um, and um, that right there was 30 build points, even with the distances count for the stag runners already having a huge set. Um, and that was and that was that. And then I failed my economy check again, so I'm back down to a mega 41 build points. And that is the end of Rover. I have um, now a glorious six armies, cool, stationed all over the map, and. Um, not coincidentally, all my townships that had a defense value of four now have a defense value of eight. There is no township on my in my bounds that doesn't have a defense value of eight or better. Cool. And you have run your way through all of the months of downtime? I have run my way through all the months of downtime. I have built many buildings. I have done many things. 
I'm totally prepared to get back into actually having plot. Cool. And there are a couple of things I wanted to run past you. Yep. Um, I, um, in the course of expanding my kingdom of Fort Drelia from its initial tiny little collection of hexes, I have claimed the entirety of the big lake, the hooked, which I believe is actually called the Hook Tongue Slough. The, oh, the Lake Hook Tongue. Lake Hook Tongue, yeah. Yeah, the slough is the marsh itself. Right. The lake is Lake Hook Tongue. I have claimed the entirety of Lake Hook Tongue. Yep. I don't know if that's a thing or not. Uh, I can probably tell you that. Uh, Lake Hooktongue is indeed a landmark. Cool. So I get a loyalty. It is yeah, loyalty. Is. Yeah. What is it coming out my ears? It's like you keep doing good things for your citizens instead of prioritizing your economy like Hannah's would. <laughs> oh. Alright. Um... Okay, um, I wanted to declare, um, so the, um, Fort Draylor, of course, already has a monument park containing a great many statues of Hannah Straylor. Yep. Um, Caleb is, Caelan is removing most of them. Mm-hmm. He's gonna leave one up so pe- future people have some idea who the yep. guy who built the city was, but... Yeah, why the hell it's named Fort Draylor? Yep. yep. But he's taking most of them out to make some space. Yep. And in the space, one of the things he's putting up is he's putting up a monument to the unknown architect who built the secret passage and paid for it with his life. Nice. Uh, he does, in fact, have a name that you could fairly easily track down. Cool. That I'm putting up a name. Um, the um, I'm putting up a monument to him. Yep. And I am also putting up a monument to the bog striders of Fort Drelev. Nice. There's an actual little statue of the box rider. Cool. Um, de- describing their tragic deaths due to a misunderstanding. Yep. <laughs> in the, that's all uh, better for the future. That's the one. Um, and the last thing I wanted to ask. Um, I've been keeping Sir Frigid March as an army commander, both because I have no councillor slots and because he's so freaking good as an army commander. Yeah. But I would like to know... What councillor slots he'd be interested in if that opportunity came my way? Yep. Just so I have that information noted sure, sure. down. So you have a conversation with him. Yeah. Uh, he will tell you that um, he's perfectly happy serving the community where he is. Really? Like he's, that's not, good. he's not in any hurry to um, cool, do something else or move along. That's good to know because um, he's kind of slightly vital to my army strategy because he's so much better than all my other army commanders. Not that I'm going to put it like that, but he is. Okay. So he is um, what is sometimes known as a knight confer. Um, he was born born into a minor noble house and has basically had all the privilege and background that comes with it. So he's a moderately educated man. He's obviously a martial combatant in his own right. You know he is an inspiring army commander. Uh, and he is willing to do lots of different things for the good of the kingdom. So I'll give you the two that he won't take. Yep. Um, and all the rest he will. Okay. Uh, the roles that he feels he is dangerously underqualified for are Spy Master. Yep. And High Priest. Cool. Spy Master thing for obvious, kind of obvious reasons. He's got no background in it whatsoever. Yeah. The High Priest is literally, he's obviously a very holy man. He doesn't consider himself to be a someone suitable for that priest position, ministering yeah. to the religious needs of the community. Because he serves a different purpose within the church. Correct. On the other hand, he would absolutely be prepared to, um, you know, stand up as your magister or your um, royal champion rather than royal assassin. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, well, the thing is, the theory is the Royal Enforcer takes on the flavour that I that yeah. I choose. If yeah. I put a paladin in that role, then I'm saying, you know, the kingdom stands for good and honour and law very noticeably. Yep. Whereas Caelan has traditionally put, you know, well, Bryn Kressel and Huxley there, who bring different messages to that position. But mainly I was thinking that, A, I'd like to have him on the council if I could, and B, that... um. He brings a more martial flavour, which, um, you know, I've got quite a lot of um, intellectually type people. Mm-hmm. Cool, that's all good. Okay. Because, you know, who knows what will happen in the years to come. And that was all the stuff I wanted to talk to you about. Okay. I am finally ready to roll forward if you want to do a wee tiny bit of stuff. Uh, no, I'm perfectly happy to leave it there. Yep. No problem. Um, as we head into book five, Time Heals No Wounds. Dun, dun, dun. dun, dun. dun.